Jim Joyce. There we are. We made it. Another Wednesday. What are we? Sixty. 60 something episodes what are we what's the number no man we're in the 70s for sure well yeah we, we, uh, i know we had like the kickoff and i forget i was looking at the uh the megaphone dashboard for podcast stuff and i think it said 75 or 76 right. but that includes i think like our kind of kickoff and then another little blurb so no we're we're in the 70s yeah. We're like the longest standing uh, podcast. So, so talk to us about the gangster sunglasses here or the. Oh, it's just, I, so I'm in the garage (laughs) in a different spot because, um, you know, I actually got a a couple, a number of emails last week because we, we lost our streak, but um, in, in honor of Marina's mom. So, uh, you know, not to make this a somber, but uh, we're, you know, we're now packing everything here. So we're back in the garage. Here it is. And yep. it's uh, it is pretty sunny out there, and so I put my you know pitbull glasses on. That's that's me, and I'm gonna just quickly show like you know there was this thing. It's craziness, and this is my little setup with a bucket and stuff. Oh my god! <laughs> so anyway, so first of all, best of thoughts to the family. We've all been thinking of you. So thank you. Warm, yes, warm, warm thoughts, and you know, in the tricky time you're in. So good to see you again. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I don't, I honestly, I haven't even like been looking at the news. I've been like heads down between your coach stuff and which is nonstop and then all the home stuff. So, yeah. Um, didn't you feel like even unplugging for a week around this thing kind of took you out of the game a little bit? Like, is this like, yeah, honestly, I missed it. I missed it. Like I look forward to that Wednesday and I know we talked about, we'll talk more. Um, I know I'll see you literally in a couple of weeks face to face, I think in Boston for the health Excel DTX event. Yeah. We'll be in Boston Boston. and then we'll be in Dublin together. Like, is that the plan? Dublin? Yes. Um, um, that's the plan. Uh, so October 28th, Dublin. Um, but yeah, like back to just, I, I missed the, you know, the Wednesday was like the week was just like weird without it. So it's a bit of pace, man. It's a bit of pace, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, well, if you don't have any other news, I don't know if anything happening on your okay. end. Um, Let's we have this. now, um, this is somebody who I, been, we've been kind of stalking each other on social media, for lack of a better term. And we finally caught up this week. And I was like, oh, my God, you're just uh, full of energy. Um, and I'm going to admit her. And we've now had, oh, gosh, uh, I mean, from all walks of life, we had, you know, nurses, we had VCs, we had entrepreneurs and so looking forward to speaking to Risa um, Batanka. So I don't know. Uh, I think she is in probably about to do her video. Hopefully. Right. Let's see. Let's see if we get there. There she is. Hey. Hey. <laughs> nice to meet you, Risa. Yeah. Nice to meet you. This is fantastic. So I'm a fan. You- as you were, thank you, thank you. Uh, as as you were coming on, I was saying to Jim that we, you and I, have been kind of like social media stalking a bit, and then <laughs> we had a call, and I was, I told, I remember texting Jim, I'm like, this is the the energy that we need on Wednesday. So yeah, uh, here you are. Before we go anywhere, this that's officially the best pair of glasses, Risa, that we've seen on the oh, podcast. We've had yeah. seventy episodes, right? What do you think? Eugene, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, I know those are glasses, you know, my, my pit bull look is, you know, a little different. Well, but, and because I have stalked you all, I'm going to say that those rose colored glasses that Jim wore, 
spectacular. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have a soft spot for rose colored glasses, right? <laughs> That's how we see the world. That's how we see the world. <laughs> At least on these Wednesday things, uh, on, on the shot, right? So, and then yeah. the rest gets in. But uh, why don't, for the millions of viewers and listeners, Risa, take us a little bit through your journey. I, I was just starting to say that we've had um, all, all different professionals on, on this podcast, but I don't think we've had a pharmacist. Leonora. And, oh, you're right. Okay, you're right. Who did you're you right. have? Uh, Leonora O'Brien. Do you know Leonora? Yeah, I don't know, if, but we'll connect you guys up anyway. But yeah, we haven't had a California... Farsi speaking from St. Louis, Indian Reserve. I, I just listened to a little bit of research. So we have no, we've had no one like you. We've had no one We're, like you. As you notice, Jim is very meticulously unproduced. So uh, he does his <laughs> he does his googling right before. But anyway, take us through it. How did you get into it? What's your story? You know, and then we'll we'll peel it apart. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. So who am I? As you know, I'm a pharmacist. Uh, I'm a digital health enthusiast. I'm a mom. <laughs> uh, like you said, I, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, and um, then uh, uh, when I was six, I had the opportunity to move to Iran, and uh, which is fantastic. So I speak Farsi, as you pointed out, and really got in touch with my language. I was there for about three and a half years. It was really formative. Um, and, uh, and then back to the States for the rest of uh, my experience. Uh, I went to uh, pharmacy school in the Midwest, uh, KU. Okay. And, uh, and then uh, I always like to mention some of my kind of early experiential and postgraduate experiences because I really feel like it, I know that it changed the lens, speaking of glasses, <laughs> yeah. changed the lens uh, through which I have uh, seen what's, what pharmacists are capable of and how we can contribute to the healthcare ecosystem. Um, so uh, when I was in pharmacy school, I spent two summers with the uh, United States Public Health Service, Indian Health Service. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so one summer I was on a Navajo Indian reservation in so Shiprock, cool. New Mexico. And, you know, anytime you are working in an environment where it's kind of underserved, each healthcare provider works at the top of their education and training, right? You're yeah. also, um, and so in those, you know, formative years, I saw where, you know, they were already, you know, we're talking about health and technology. Let me just share with you, but I'm just going to go granular for a second, because this is right. really- We got amazing. time. Good time. <laughs> so, um, back then, right? So this was like in the early 90s, but I know that it had been going on for decades before that. When a patient would come into the clinic, first stop was at the front desk to pick up their medical chart. And they carried their medical record from, from x-ray to lab to their physician visit to the pharmacy. So when they got to the pharmacy, they didn't hand us just this little piece of paper or like today with e-prescribing, just kind of like a few notes about, you know, what the medicine is. The pharmacist right. had to open the chart and look through and see what the diagnosis was, what the lab was, what everyone what was going on. And so really, it just really amplified our, our ability to really understand what's going on with the patient and look at the medication, not in a silo, but within the total context. And so, right. uh, you know, and it was really a team-based approach to care and very patient-centered when they go to the window to hand the medication out. Uh, they were very, um, it was interactive patient consultation. They even sit in a patient, you'll like this because of like uh, Eugene with all the, you know, more health promotion disease prevention type things, you know, they'd sit in a patient care room with the, uh, the patient and their family. 
Right. Right. Because yeah. I mean, maybe the husband has diabetes, but the wife's doing the cooking. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yep. <laughs> Have this kind of comprehensive conversation. You know, just I'm going to interject real quickly. And when we caught up, what really just like was like this aha moment, which it kind of I knew it, but you said something. This was uh, when, when recent I just caught up to earlier in the week. Um, she said something like when a patient walks in and uh, needs some kind of an OTC pill, a good pharmacist doesn't just send them to an aisle, which I think that was you. Right. Uh, it, I, you know, the, that pharmacist actually asked the question for what and context and more holistically, right. uh, you, you can probably do much more to this uh, story than I can, but but it, it just resonated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, in the days when I was in the front lines working in community pharmacy, um, you know, it didn't matter how busy I was, right? In terms of filling prescriptions, the fax machines, yes, fax machines, uh, you know, the giving vaccines, all different things. Uh, <laughs> when someone would come to the counter and ask uh, for an OT, like where, you know, where's the tons or something, you know, it was never aisle two on the left in my pharmacy because right. I felt like uh, that was probably the most important thing I could do in that moment because it's probably the port of entry in the healthcare system, they have may have spoken to no other healthcare provider, right? right? So I would take the time to go out there and do a little triage, because right. maybe thumbs was a bad idea. Maybe they've got a bleeding ulcer, they actually need to go get scoped and come back with a prescription, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, you know, that's how I did things. Now, um, uh, I know that, uh, you know, that takes missionary zeal. Uh, because it is such a busy, rapid paced environment. So, uh, you know, it's uh, all pharmacists want to do that. It's just really yeah. challenging. And, you know, that's one of the things that I'm hoping that we can really change the pharmacy model to make it where that people can benefit from, you know, their pharmacists be able to have that time. And, and before we go, just stay with that for a second. Like, how do you deal with, I feel like when you go to a pharmacy, like, like when you think about going to a pharmacy and you're looking for that OTC medication or you're talking kind of in a public venue to a pharmacist about whatever ailment, you're very vulnerable, right? And you might be embarrassed or you might be, you know, you're, you're dealing with something that, you know, how you, you look or this, or, you know, like, what's the technique? Like, how do you take people's anxiety down? Um, you know, that's interesting. So certainly, you know, if something turns into a sensitive conversation that you shouldn't really be having in the aisle, then you can welcome them over to a more private area near the pharmacy. Um, right. You know, today our pharmacies more and more have consult rooms or some kind of privacy area because we give sure. immunizations. You know, so mm. I think it's just a matter of uh, stepping aside. Yep. Look, we are the most accessible, most frequently visited healthcare provider, right? right. 90% of the US population lives within yep. five miles of a pharmacy. So yeah. um, huge access point. And you'd be surprised. Uh, people, people are very happy to <laughs> share their problems. Yeah. Share. And, yeah. and how many pharmacists roughly are there in the United States of America? Uh, oh, I think, I, I think there might be 300,000 of us. If I'm yeah, right. Right. I, I, that, sounds, that, sounds, that sounds about right. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. That um, but uh, wow. oh, should I share a little bit more about my experiential? Yeah, keep, let's, let's yeah, keep, 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 go, go, keep go, moving. Go. Yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, so certainly Indian Health Service, extremely formative. And then I also worked with the Sur Assistant Surgeon General, you know, out in yeah. D.C. where I got to, and they were running, it was the, he was also the head of Indian Health Service. So I got to really see the behind the scenes of how uh, they were supporting, you know, the pharmacists out there. Um, yeah. So really great early experience. Uh, then what I did, so for pharmacists, for physicians, it's required to do residency training to practice, right? For pharmacists, it's optional. Okay. And it's becoming more and more um, prevalent, right? More and more mm -hmm. opportunity. 
in that way. And so um, I did a, a postgraduate residency at UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, Lovely. and um, a postgraduate residency at Stanford. And I uh, only want to mention it because when you're in university teaching hospitals, uh, again, another area where, you know, it's more team-based approach and all healthcare providers, really patients benefit, right? Patients at the center and mm -hmm. you kind of have this interprofessional approach to care. And so early on, I saw that when I was at UCSF, rounds didn't start till I was there, right? So mm -hmm. when the bacterial cultures would come back, then the attending would say to me, okay, so what's the best antibiotic and how do you want to dose it based on the person's renal function? You know, so... Mm -hmm wow, like really team-based or like when I was in the clinics at Stanford, you know, we would, um, uh, we would see patients um, uh, the same time they were seeing their physician. We'd look through, we do kind of a chart review to look for any medication related uh, problems, potential issues, uh, and then and note those. And then the physician would check with the patient or maybe the patient physician would send back to us. So it was just this really, I'll say it again, just a team-based approach. And yeah. um and anyway, it's really inspiring to me. So when, after that, I thought, okay, so what am I going to do out of residency? Should I uh, go work in a health system? I could. Um, mm -hmm. I thought, why are we waiting until people are really sick before they're benefiting from pharmacists on the care team? So right. I decided to really uh, dedicate my career to advancing community-based pharmacy. Okay. Yeah. And so in, in when you say community, so dedicating your career to community-based pharmacy, do tell, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like your neighborhood pharmacy, right? Okay. I think the reason that the pharmacist role in health system evolved, uh, you know, more rapidly was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, everything's relationships. We were right there in the same location with the other healthcare providers, right? right. And we had access to the data, right. right? So the labs, the diagnosis, all of that, right? So it's, I think that uh, clinical pharmacy really grew in the 60s, 70s, you know, it really started to blossom. In the community-based pharmacy, uh, we're the same pharmacists, we have the same education and training and all of that, the same heart, we want to care for our patients, you know, um, but uh, we don't always have the data. We don't have the labs, the the, the relationship of, you know, running into somebody in the hallway or the but, elevator. But let, right. let, me, let me poke a little bit here, right? Because, and I, you know, I know we caught up, I, I've spent some time at a PBM where pharmacist is a bit of a machine. So yes, it's highly enabled by data from all kinds of sources, but it's also highly scripted to a certain extent where I think in a community pharmacy, while you may not have all the labs data, you're seeing the same patient every week. Uh, and so the data, while it might be in the pharmacist's brain, um, it's knowing that individual, that person, right? And I think, again, I, I'm not saying one way is better than the other, but I, I would just challenge that that data exists in that pharmacist relationship versus a non-relationship culture in a PBM or a you know more industrialized uh, you know processes. I knew I liked you, Eugene. <laughs> okay, Whew, I passed the <laughs> test. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. The, again, the most frequently visited healthcare provider, most accessible. Like when mm. I would, um, so when I was working in the pharmacy, I used to call myself an adventure pharmacist because I'd float to pharmacies throughout Northern California and even Hawaii. and a Hawaii license as well. Um, and um, but what what you found is that uh, you know the pharmacists and the pharmacy technicians, they know their community. Right. So yeah, they'd be asking about they were at, you know, 
so-and-so's kids basketball game over the weekend and you know how or you know or how, right. how did this go or their football you know so it's just very you're right it's that whole relationship and when Mr. Jones comes in and he doesn't have that same kind of bright smile you kind of know something's going on and you're going to ask you're right it's it's right. that definitely that human relationship um, and that uh, kind of connection with the community and that's what's really been exciting all the advances we have made yeah. in community pharmacy I think it is that that it's kind of pre this see what we talk about with digital health why am I a digital health enthusiast? Why I'm so excited about it, right? It's because we go from this kind of chaotic episodic care, right, to this more proactive, continuous care in real time. And I sure. think the closest thing we've had to that, if I may, up until now, is the community pharmacists. Because sure. we do, you know, maybe they see uh, the physician once or twice a year, but they are seeing their community pharmacists, you know, they're there monthly, they're in their grocery shopping. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> they can stop by and ask questions. Wait, 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 you can't just go swinging by that you're Hawaii. And we got to stop in Hawaii for a second here. Like, were you okay. treating surfers or, you know, we just can't swing by that. Like, bring us to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, I missed part of what you said, but you want to know more about the Hawaii experience? Totally, totally. Because yeah. I have to tell you, I was just surfing this weekend. I went surfing in the west of Ireland this weekend uh, with our buddy Martin Kelly. That we, uh, we, we didn't tell you that. <laughs> uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> but first of all, did you try surfing? And then second of all, give us like a Hawaiian story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Wish I surfed. Um, I snorkeled. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. That's all cool. right. And, and I have a fun picture. Uh, too bad I can't just like show it really quickly but i've got a picture of me in my white coat in the pharmacy and i've got a snorkel in one hand and a counting tray in the other that's <laughs> perfect that's perfect like that you'll you'll have to post that on the comments of the linkedin <laughs> post right, right. there we go i will definitely find that but yeah it was it was, uh, it was brilliant it was amazing I, I was on um the big island uh okay. on the kona side and uh you were only allowed to work four days a week Oh, so then I had to travel around the island the other three days. Brutal. Oh, no. Brutal. Brutal. Feel so bad for you. <laughs> so fa fast forward, your commitment to community pharmacy um, uh, is uh, when did you join? Um, so I know, you know, obviously many people know AMA, the American Medical Association. Maybe talk a little bit about APHA. Am I saying that correctly? Okay. Yeah. yeah Who is yeah. it for? Who is it by? How did you get there? Yeah, I love how you start with AMA because I often will explain like at a dinner party. I'm like, well, you know, AMA and ADA, AMA, right. we're APHA, right? Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, we are the oldest, so it's the American Pharmacists Association, and we're the oldest, largest society of pharmacists representing pharmacists across all practice settings. Okay. And uh, we've got a really amazing uh, headquarters in Washington, D.C., uh, here's a little bit of information. They um, a little trivia. So uh, we're the only non-government building on Constitution Avenue. Ooh, All huh. that land used to belong to a pharmacist. Wow. Yeah. And then when he kind of gave, I guess, gave it to the government or however that uh, that transition happened, he carved out a spot for the American Pharmacists Association. So our building is a historic site. And uh, from our terrace, uh, you can see the Potomac. It's right across, just right there is Lincoln Memorial and Washington Monument and the Capitol Building. People have weddings and big events on our terrace. Um, and some years ago, we added onto the building. And so uh, six more floors and uh, the State Department uh, rents uh, several of our floors and their main building is just right behind ours. So um, yeah, so that's some, a little more that, about that's, our pretty, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and how often are you there? Yeah. Well, 
pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe four times a year or something like that. Okay. Depended, you know, if things were going on. Um, but yeah, I haven't been there since uh, probably 2019. I, I was supposed to be in. Um, was it there was a was there an event National Association of Specialty Pharmacy that was supposed to be in DC this past weekend? Yeah, like, yeah that's right. So so yeah, but but anytime it got it got canceled because of everything going on. But the did you feel like when you go to DC? Like the buildings are so big, they're so amazing that after, if you've lived outside of the U.S. for a while, you feel like you're in kind of some kind of Roman, like it's just such a tribute to itself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is pretty incredible. When, when you land at Reagan, you know, and then like the Uber or whatever, like whisks me over to the APHA building, right. you know, I, I kind of, it feels kind of cool for a while. I'm like, oh, this is what these guys feel like. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yeah. So what's the... Um, kind of what's the mandate of APHA, right? I mean, representing, you know, pharmacists around U.S. only specifically or global yeah, so, organization or? Yeah, yeah. So I will say on this podcast, I'm not representing APHA officially. I'm just you know, here as an enthusiastic pharmacist. cool, energetic Risa hanging out with <laughs> Eugene and Jim. George. With cool, energetic uh, Eugene and Jim. <laughs> but um uh, so, so, you know, with that, um, yeah, we're, we're really, look, do you know that it's, uh, there was a, a study and it showed that non-optimized uh, medication therapy costs us something like $524.8 billion annually, which in 2016, 524.8. yeah, yeah, 528.4 billion. And uh, which in 2016 was 16% of our total healthcare expenditure. Okay. Right. And that's um, medical errors, excess medical costs, all the classic non- Everything, drug interactions, taking too much, yeah. not taking enough, you know, all of the, all the gamut, right? right. Um, and ending up in the ER, you know, all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and so the thing is that, um, you know, when you look at all the different healthcare providers, pharmacists, we either get a two-year or four-year undergrad, right? Two-year pre-pharmacy right. or four-year undergrad. And then we do a four-year doctor of pharmacy degree. And then some right. of us do postgraduate residency training. And all we're focused on is how medications work in the body and how they interact with each other and looking at kind of, and we've broadened into health promotion disease prevention because, right, look at mm -hmm. who, have, who, when the pandemic hit, right? Right. And all, all the clinics, everything was closing. Who stayed open? The pharmacies, right? And 100%. when it came to yeah, good point. Right. We're, we're immunizing folks. And uh, the pandemic has even opened up more opportunities. We had some um, in some states, we were doing some point of care testing and things like that. But with the pandemic right now, we're doing COVID-19 testing. And then recently they uh, said, OK, now we can even um, administer the you know COVID-19 therapeutics. So really, during this pandemic, I would say that pharmacists are among the heroes, you know, that neighborhood pharmacy staying open and keeping essential services. So when you say, like, what does APHA do? Thing is that in the 60s, when they were coming up with the Medicare Act, do you know that pharmacists were left out as providers? Right, right. Wow. So what that has resulted in is that pharmacists, pharmacy is paid for product, not right. service. And right. we have so much we can contribute to ensuring, you know, to improving, uh, you know, to optimizing medication therapies and a more holistic approach to care and all that, but we're not compensated for it universally. So then they can't staff accordingly and we can't offer that, you know, and so who's suffering? It's, uh, you know, our friends and family.
You know, so that's really what APHA is doing is advocating for pharmacy. And APHA was very instrumental in a lot of these uh, things that I said, these doors that opened, um, you know, advocating for pharmacists during the, the pandemic to have this a broader authority. Um, right. And uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there are state by state efforts as well as national efforts, where in some states pharmacists have provider status and it has allowed a range of different things, but it's not equal in each state. In some states, it could mean that there's little prescriptive authority, maybe some of things like nicotine replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. or, um, there's even in Idaho where you can prescribe, you know, cholesterol medicine. So there's different things, but yeah. This needs to change, right? Because yep. we've got yep. the medication expert, the one person that could really help. Because it's great to diagnose, it's great to prescribe, but then what? And really, this right. gets us back to the digital health conversation because that's what right. you know. This sensor-enabled uh, therapies and uh, you know digital biomarkers, all of this. This is really looking at that kind of continuous data and being able to act on it. So yeah, yeah I think there's and, a huge role for pharmacists. And I mean, you you kind of been alluding to, you know, in the community pharmacy, uh, obviously pharmacists are online through all kinds of different services, right? Uh, there's a lot of virtual services that are launching that pharmacists are front and center from, a, you know, from uh, conversing with consumers, et cetera. So in a way, and I'm going to say this, right, because everybody wants to be the, you know, the front door to health. Um, I do see that pharmacists are playing that huge role, right? Knowing and understanding the patients and the health consumers, whether it's at a local CVS or a mom and pop pharmacy or online. Um, talk to us how you're thinking about this. Uh, I'm sure you're gonna say yes, yes, but why? <laughs> Well, pharmacists have always been the front door. Like we were saying, yeah. I see, you know, I see us as kind of the port of entry because you don't need an what other you know healthcare provider you don't need an appointment. You just step up and you know and start chatting, right? So right. kind of we've always kind of we were already the you know society socialized to seeing us in that role, and I think that um, you know now um, what's key is that's fine, you know, virtual first, I'm all about that, you know, the, you know, the other day I needed a doctor appointment, and we've recently moved, and I was going to have to drive an hour to get to my doctor, but I was like, this is just a conversation, I did a telehealth visit from my right. kitchen, it was awesome, right. you know, completely a better patient experience, right, so um, I, I would just say that I see pharmacy evolving, and being right. part of this, because it's, we all know, right? It's not that, uh, you know, digital health eclipses traditional care, right? It's one augments the other. And so I see that for pharmacy as well. And um, I think if I may, Eugene, I'm just gonna step back a minute. I think one of the, another Achilles heel for us, not only has it been not that we aren't the way we're paid, right? But the mm -hmm. other has been, um, I would say the fact that we're still counting pills. Mm -hmm. Such a waste of human capital. If right. when I travel around the world, every other country I've been to, whether it was, you know, I was in Abu Dhabi, it was like this. I've been in Paris, I've been you know, in Tokyo. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter where I go, you know, they just open a drawer and hand you, it looks like an OTC product, right? It's a pre-packaged. Yeah. Blister pack. You're familiar with this gym, right? It's probably like that in Ireland. Right. It's blisters, yeah. It's blisters, yeah. 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 Um, totally. But why in the US? Do we still have these stock bottles and we have pharmacists and pharmacy technicians and there's some automation, but, you know, by right. and large, our neighborhood pharmacies are sitting there counting by fives. What I, yeah, I feel like even like even like the and I love I think what uh, TJ Parker did with pill pack and I think he was the wasn't he the son of a pharmacist yeah. and, and he's a pharmacist, um, yeah. yeah, he's a pharmacist himself. Yeah. And but the 
you know, it was fascinating because a lot of that innovation or that first part, at least the manifestation that I saw was like just organized pill, you know, it was like they were sending you it in effectively a blister pack, but it was, you know, that was, that was one of the big innovations, which was kind of not that new. Well, <laughs> and, 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 and what, and I have to say this for my other pharmacist friends who, and you're the millions that are watching, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> that, you know, blister packs and stuff, we've all been doing that, you know, right. you know, not all. Many have been doing that kind of thing, you know, right. um, but uh, my hat goes off to PillPack because they really put a whole marketing solution around it, you know, and, and also right. I think by then Amazon buying PillPack, uh, you know, then now you get kind of like huge awareness on what's possible. And here's my thing. And I'm just, again, remember, I'm speaking just Risa's opinion, not representing the organization. But this is what this is what I'd like to see. I'd like to really see that as um, we do have digital pharmacy popping up everywhere, we've got you know, and hymns her row capsule alto pharmacy, like all these different you know things that are out right. there. You know what I'd like to see is that it doesn't mean that we're then closing our neighborhood pharmacy, right? It's just right. we're reinventing what it means when you visit that neighborhood pharmacy. Mm. So think more Apple Store-esque, right? Yep. It's a place where you have health solutions, right? So we would go in there and, you know, hopefully like your chronic meds are being sent, a nice experience, you know, to your home, but maybe some acute therapies that, you know, need to, but yep. gosh, the way uh, companies like Fox Health are getting things out to you in an hour, you know, maybe even for the acute therapies, those could be delivered. So we'll see yep. how that evolves. But then when you're there, I'd like to see the pharmacist role being matching individuals with medication plus the digital companion. Right? right, because and, and so why am I a digital health enthusiast? Because wow, there's no mystery now, right? Pharmacists are always looking to you know how can we help people with you know um, uh, to better understand. Nobody wants to just I'm going to swallow this pill. What they right. want is they want to be able to be at their daughter's graduation. They want to be able right. to feel good with the outcomes. The yeah, the control, the agency yeah. so over how there. Do there. We, yeah. like, connect pill with how you feel. Well, now with like sensor enabled inhalers and right. sensors for pills and all these different things, smart insulin pens, all of that. So now, you know, there's all this data and we're actually helping uh, health consumers to be more educated about their care. They can actually make the connection. Oh, I take this medicine. This is how I feel. And then if something right. goes off, you know, getting these little nudges through these different apps, these different, right. you know, um, things I think are fantastic. What I would hope that the pharmacist is right there, the front door. Right? right. So digital health companies, think of the pharmacist when you are designing these products. Think of us in this ecosystem. We can identify a patient. Oh, patients yeah. on opioid um, uh, is, 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 um, has opioid use disorder and they're on buprenorphine. Right. The pharmacist right. could say, ah, this person could benefit from cognitive behavioral therapy. Why don't we uh, prescribe uh, reset out? Right. Yep. Yep. That, you know, we're, we're in this we're in this <clears throat> fantastic era of dilemmas right like of where like in ireland for example all of the medications that are shipped by specialty pharmacies in the u.s you have to collect from a community pharmacy and hmm. and the community pharmacists uh hold on to that and and then probably less kind of corporatization of uh of pharmacy in ireland so you still have boots and some of the bigger a uh, few of the bigger ones so some consolidation but still lots of community pharmacies just like you're, you're talking about and and you know but having to so it's this one dilemma of like social isolation you know me walking into the pharmacy collecting my medication having a chat seeing what otc products i bring up 
you know, I need to buy what challenges gets them closer to me, to my care, whoever I'm buying, you know, versus sending it or, you know, and then it's yep. the, and it's the isolation, right? Like it's the, you know, you like don't take away my pharmacy trip, you know, like, like, like right now I, I, I kind of shed a tear when I go to buy a newspaper on Sunday and there's none there. Cause I just kind of like the little event of going to the stand and getting a newspaper. It's gone now, you know, um, yeah. so it's a dilemma, right? Well, so instead of you go get fish and chips and, and wine <laughs> with Marty and team, <laughs> why not? It's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good trip too. It's not going to be one or the other. I think it's really, we're, we're moving forward with hybrid, right? So it's how is it that you want to receive your care, right? Do you want to go in? Do you want it to deliver? Do you want to have a virtual visit? Do you want it in person? Or is it going to be a combination depending on what's going on? I really right. see it's evolving in that way. You know, the ATA says, right, telehealth is health, right? So it's just going to be, you know, kind of what we're doing. Um, but really like looking at pharmacist role. Again, if we have the, so I can see us matching patient with medicine plus digital companion, right? Um, also, uh, maybe folks aren't as savvy They oh, maybe, okay, how do I download this app? Okay, how do I set up this wearable? Okay, how does this work? So, you know, had, helping with setup, right? That's kind of a nice in-person opportunity. Right. Um, and, but this very, very important is that, that as they're designing these digital therapeutics, digital medicine, all those different things, uh, we want pharmacists to be able to be part of the, seeing the data. We're part of that loop because- sure we're wired for that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I know that well, all healthcare, like physicians are always like, oh my gosh, more data, what am I gonna do with this? You know, we really want actionable right. insights and all that. Well, guess what? The pharmacist, that's what we went to pharmacy school to do is you've got that you're on this medicine, how do we optimize it? What's going on? So if we could see right. patients insights that they've, you know, entered in there or like different kind of labs, different things or how they're taking their medicine, and we are part of seeing those little, you know, the little, like for example, like Propeller Health or Teva, you know, we have the portals says, oh, the person's like overutilizing their albuterol inhaler or they haven't taken right. their, you know, rest, uh, their maintenance inhaler. The pharmacist can be part of that. And I know there's electronic yep. touches, but what about that in-person relationship as well? Tom? No, I, I love that idea. I mean, like what a, what a, a grand vision, the idea that you would go into the pharmacy and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm on this medication, what digital companions are available to me? so that I can tackle my rheumatoid arthritis or diabetes or, you know, whatever condition I'm trying to um, treat. It's lovely. I, I know, Risa, you and I kind of touched on it, and this is my sort of passion point around digital therapy specifically. Um, and, you know, the, the pharmacists, once again, are in the front lines, right? When a regular pills get prescribed, you, you're fronting a lot of the questions um, and, and even to a certain extent care, right, uh, of that patient. And in right in front of them, digital therapies, I think, are the same thing. And the question to me is, um, are pharmacists ready? Is there enough education? And I think some of the stuff that I know you're trying to pull together from conferences to speakers to et cetera, to educate the community. So maybe talk a little bit on that intersection of pharmacy and digital therapies. And how do we get those 300,000 plus pharmacists educated around it? Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for asking that. Um, so, uh, yes, I am a self-appointed uh, champion for digital health integration and pharmacy. And uh, yeah, I've been going full steam for a few years now on this. Um, you know what, can I, because I know that, can I just tell a fun story about like what the spark was for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I know, I know, I think I know that people you are going to call, yeah, call out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. <laughs> 
I think it's uh, it's because you just never know who you're sitting next to, right? And how right. one little spark could just like create this whole cascade of events, you know? Yeah. So it's just uh, so it's 2012. I'm at a pharmacy quality alliance meeting in DC, and uh, I haven't paid attention to the um, agenda. I don't know who our keynote's going to be over the lunch hour, right? And I'm just chatting. There's these you know beautiful round tables, tablecloth. We're all eating lunch and chatting, and there's one somebody sitting like one over from me, and he seems to really be large. He starts talking about 3D printing medication and what do I think about a super pill? Does foster adherence, the therapies, and all this. I'm like, gosh, who is this? You know, this is hmm. really innovative kind of pharmacist. But then it turns out, nope, he's a physician. Anyway, I think it's right around the dessert. Uh, there's kind of handing dessert out, and we're kind of waiting for the keynote. And the CEO of the organization goes to the podium. She announces the keynote speaker. The person I've been talking to all along rises to his feet, takes center stage, and we're all spellbound. Right. It was Dr. Daniel Kraft. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. so, and, and was he in 2012? Because I met him a little later. Um, was right, he also right. like bullet fast as far faster. as his present? <laughs> I, I promise you, faster. Okay. We were dazzled. Slow down. Right? Slow down. Yeah. And, and, and he had, you know how he has all these little gadgets and I'd never seen any of these before. So like he's put things around his wrist and a little, you know, something yeah. out of his pocket and, you know, all of the like, mm -hmm. these gadgets and he's like a magician. <laughs> yeah. No, he was designed to be a, uh, you know, a digital health communicator, spokesperson, prophet, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> he was designed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I've never been the same since because, because I just saw, wow, what was possible, you know, and yep. you know, we would have, because up till now, like, you know, if you think about medication, we're just basing, like if somebody's taking, so physicians think the patient took the medicine because they prescribed it. Then the pharmacy right. says, no, they never picked it up. Then, right. you know, the pharmacy might think, oh, we know they're taking their medicine because they picked it up. Right. But right. then what do our home health nurses tell us? No, they're stockpiling. <laughs> they just mm -hmm. don't want to ask anybody. It's on autofill, so they're just accepting it. Or, you know, so really we're going to, you know, with bioadjustable sensors and digital inhalers and all, all these different things are just like, it's just going to transform really knowing, you know, how yeah, and really getting at why, the why. So to help mm. people understand like how yep. taking therapy. And, and I know I keep talking about medicines. My mom says I'm such a strange pharmacist because, you know, when I have a headache, I just push on my pressure points, you know? So I'm not saying that medicine's always the answer, right? You know, when right. moms would come into my pharmacy and they'd show me their little toddler with a runny nose and they're saying, which medicine is it? I would say, you know what, how about just some Kleenexes? Because really, right. you know, if we give yep. you this medicine, you know, maybe they'll get rowdy, you know, like give them a little bender and they'll be like. <laughs> yeah, so, but we live in a, I mean, I like, I'm a believer in medicine, like, you know, it I know you don't want to overuse it but it's like we live in a phenomenal time for you know how they affect your biology and what it can do and we're all witnessing it so so yeah, totally, yeah. It's big. but, but so it helps myself the, first so uh, oh, oh go ahead no no no. Okay. i was gonna say just uh i'm, I'm the timekeeper you've seen so i want to i want to make <laughs> sure that we're yeah. I, I want i want to yeah. talk a little bit about the conference that you've yeah. been putting on um and then we'll probably just go to jim jim's famous okay. question after that <laughs> All right. So basically in, uh, you know, uh, I guess it was sometime in end of 2018, beginning of 2019. And, um, I, you know, as I've been taught, I was talking to a lot of our thought leaders in pharmacy and folks in the front lines, I realized that digital health was really a blind spot. And um, I recognized that, uh, you know, so I, I felt like we, I need to make sure, because pharmacists got left out of the whole provider status thing, you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> the 
this is once again a place where we can really contribute to that non-optimized remember that 528.4 billion dollars you know we can really contribute and if we get left out of this um it'll you know society will suffer so um what i did was i invested in myself and i started going to conferences like health and exponential medicine and the hymns local chapter and you know uh singular universities global summit like just whatever i could go to to just invest in myself so i could learn and build my network and then it was through my volunteer leadership role with the California Pharmacists Association that in October 2019, we convened DHX, uh, the first of its kind digital health conference for pharmacists. And, awesome. uh, and uh, my superhero, uh, Daniel Kraft, was one of our keynotes. <laughs> and um, it was just really humbling after this day and a half live uh, you know, conference, uh, people were coming up to me and you know, they were saying things like this was eye-opening, career-changing. Uh, this wasn't just a conference, it was the beginning of a movement and they said they want more and they don't wanna wait a whole year for another conference. And so I started again for my volunteer role, a digital health corner a newsletter. Mm -hmm. Would love to have a Jim or Eugene uh, article sometime, but the idea was to incrementally. I, I was going to say not both in one article, yeah. just because we're <laughs> never going to coordinate anything aside from this. So. Yeah, so we have those monthly articles to incrementally increase pharmacist knowledge in this space. Um, and um, anyway, and then uh, the, the tagline was uh, the future is now join the conversation. And uh, we realized how prophetic that was because uh, just a few months later, it was, you know, the whole pandemic. And suddenly where in right. 2019, people were like, telehealth, or what's that remote monitoring? Right, it's right, like, right. Mm -hmm. right? It was a yep. household word. Um, so uh, then uh, it was super exciting that in 2020, October 2020, uh, I, again, uh, created a new conference, uh, DHX Virtual, and it was okay. over three days. And... Uh, uh, as I was talking to Eugene, I always like to dream big. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have, and so look at who these speakers were. So it was over three days. We had 27 states and four countries participate. We had folks like, of course, Daniel Kraft again, and Tim Onks, who's the digital apothecary. You should have him yeah. on the show. He's another We should, yeah. I am, I, last time I connected with Tim was on like Clubhouse or something. I don't know, yeah, it was days yeah. ages ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, another time, I'll tell you that origin story, the first time I met him, because that was really instrumental in the work I've done. He's been on this journey. I've been on the journey with him, really. Um, mm. And uh, But we've had him. And we had Lisa Soonan on our virtual stage and uh, Jenny, Dr. Jenny Schneider and uh, Randy Parker, right? The former founder, the founder of MD Live and now Genius yep. Interact. And yep. I mean, it goes on and on. I was just humbled by, you know, the folks who said, oh, we had uh, Jen Goldsack, right? Executive, executive yes. CEO of, uh, of Dime, of Digital Medicine Society. Um, and of course, uh, Megan Coder. He was the former executive director of, uh, of Digital Therapy sure. Alliance and still on board there. So really just an all cast group of folks. And so awesome. what was the idea? The idea was that we've been innovating in pharmacy forever today, but I found that pharmacists, even our top thought leaders, this was a blind spot for them. Right. And then I know that uh, there's all these digital health innovators, right? Mm. And they don't necessarily have pharmacists as part of their design team. And I think sure. pharmacists domain experts uh, part of these health and technology companies needs to be top of mind because if you're doing anything that's for health and you might have the pharmacist on it right so i think that needs to be so i wanted to have them on the virtual stage communicating together presenting yep. together hearing from each other that it would really catalyze and what happened as a result i'm delighted to share is that it catalyzed individuals and institutions for next steps we have uh we have a student who started a pharmacist for digital health chapter on their campus 
Yeah, so now they're bringing amazing. all these new, uh, yeah, uh, uh, speakers and really bringing that information to their campus. And then um, after that, my day job, the American Pharmacists Association said, oh, wow, you're doing a lot in volunteer, come do it for us. So this year I convened digitalhealth.rx, APHA's inaugural digital health summit. Uh, and also I've been on the planning committee in October of this year, the American Association of Colleges of Pharmacy. We're gonna have our first digital health institute with them. Why is that important? And why would I want your millions of uh, audience members to know about this is because uh, the idea is that we are inviting all pharmacy schools to send a cohort to go through this two and a half day um, institute to learn about digital health and how to thread it into the curriculum, co-curricular and uh, postgraduate. So what we're going to yeah. start doing is gener uh, graduating the next generation of pharmacists who are digital savvy, savvy in this way. And we'll, we'll, we'll include a couple of hours on health coaching as well in there. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's okay. Oh, and you, I want both of you. Okay. You're already invited for our next conference. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, oh, I can yeah. zoom in maybe physically as well. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we had at this year's digital health summit, the one um, with APHA is Jen Horn, Jeff and Grace Cordovano. Right. So yeah. Great. Great, great folks. Love it. You want to go to you. Uh, I'm, I'm the time checker. Yeah, I, feel, I feel like there's an army. Yeah, there's, uh, like there's an but army, she's coalesced so an army of, of pharmacists that are going to revolutionize digital healthcare and companion. Uh, I'm picturing companion app stands coming up inside community pharmacies all over there. I'm totally pumped about this revolution you started here. Um, the pharmacist revolution we've got going on, right? <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Can I oh. comment since you said the word revolution? So 100%. at our uh, Digital Health RX Summit, APHA's uh, some, uh, conference that I led in March, uh, we had uh, the Glenn Tolman uh, oh. on our stage and uh, the Ritesh Patel. So I asked Ritesh to um, you know, do the fireside chat with Glenn. And on our virtual stage, Glenn said that he believes that pharmacists can lead the digital revolution. I love it. All right. No better man. No better man. No better man. Ritesh and that's a power match, right? He was um, the OG fireside chatter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, course, yeah. and then Eugene, you just uh, were speaking with yeah, that's him. That's right. So, that's right. Awesome. That was yeah. a, I watched yeah. that too. Fantastic. So, so Risa, picture yourself a, um, a you know, pharmacist trained. You're just out of school. You went to this amazing digital health conference. You got so inspired that you decided to volunteer on an Indian reservation. Uh, or uh, Navajo reservation, sorry. And, and you're on there and you came up with this phenomenal idea of a digital companion app to help people with, uh, you know, with tobacco withdrawal. So you've got this phenomenal idea and you're, you're looking, so you're looking at this young entrepreneur that has this company and they want to launch it into community-based pharmacies. What advice would you give this young entrepreneur looking at them right now? Mm, yeah, I like wow, that. Jim. I love that. Yeah. What's that? I was saying, wow, Jim, that's impressive. That's yeah, a very that a, thought through question. <laughs> no, that's really impressive. And uh, maybe you saw that I'm a tobacco treatment specialist. That's why you uh, <laughs> trained me. Oh, yeah, I volunteered at UCSF. Yeah. So uh, you do your homework. <laughs> well, you know what? Really, I think for any like new young entrepreneur or pharmacist, um, I, I would say that do practice. 
you know, work in a, you know, in a community pharmacy, work in a hospital pharmacy, because nothing is going to replace having actual hands-on experience caring for patients and working within our current healthcare ecosystem. Because I think, uh, you know, if you skip that step, then you're always just depending on others for those insights. And, and you're going to continue to get insights from others. But I think when you walk that walk, then what happens is the ideas you have are very practical. Very practical. They're very, you know, um, uh, and, and integrate into the workflow and all that. Yeah, yeah. So it's just not too pie in the sky. So one, and, and you know, if they want, they can be doing. You know, there's plenty of folks who they they work for pharmaceutical industry, but they still work a few uh, weekends a month in a um, in a community pharmacy, or they work on their faculty. So you know, it's not that you can't do both. So that's the kind of neat thing too. So one thing is, don't skip working in the pharmacy. So I want to do that. It. Feel, feel some of that pain and joy yeah. at the same time, right? Um, helping yeah. individuals. Yeah, yeah. You can Beautiful. be innovating while, you know, uh, I was talking with another innovator physician and he continued to uh, work. He was working on his digital health startup while he was practicing. And, you know, it was just such a source of, of uh, you know, ideas. Yep. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So, well, Risa, mm. thank you so much for joining and we appreciate it. And for all of those listeners and viewers just hit the subscribe button pass us on awesome this has been thanks. an absolute pleasure thanks risa cheers